Welcome back to Memory and Top 40 Music, where we revisit the top of the pop charts through the eyes of history. I'm Spoken Joe Williams. This is the second of our two special episodes covering the Top 40 career of the late Aretha Franklin. The first of our Aretha Franklin episodes explored her Top 40 success through 1970. This episode will take us the rest of the way through her Top 40 career. And we're approaching this episode as we do all Memory and Top 40 Music episodes, so we're not doing a full career retrospective, but instead, we're focusing on Aretha's Top 40 success on the pop charts. We pick things up in 1971. Nicholas Ashford and Valerie Simpson, who would go on to write and record the big 1984 hit, Solid, got their start as songwriters. Ashford and Simpson wrote a song which was a top 10 hit in 1968 for Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell, You're All I Need to Get By. Aretha Franklin then recorded and released it, and it spent seven weeks in the top 40, topping out at number 19 in April 1971. You're All I Need to Get By was one of three new recordings included on the album Aretha's Greatest Hits, released in September 1971. Also included was her version of the Simon and Garfunkel smash, Bridge Over Troubled Water. Aretha's soulful take on the Paul Simon-penned classic enjoyed an 11-week run in the top 40, five of those weeks in the top 10. The song peaked at number 6 in June 1971 and hit number 1 on the Soul Singles chart. Bridge Over Troubled Water was Franklin's first top 10 hit on the pop charts since The House That Jack Built in 1968. She was right back in the top 10 again with the next release, the third new recording from Aretha's greatest hits, Spanish Harlem. Of all the wonderful songs to choose from in Aretha Franklin's extensive catalog, Spanish Harlem is probably my personal favorite. The song takes me back to a sweet springtime Saturday in Brooklyn, New York. In some ways, it was a world away from Spanish Harlem. In other ways, not so very far at all. Spanish Harlem was first recorded by Ben E. King, a record I also thoroughly enjoy. Written by Jerry Lieber and Phil Spector, King's recording hit number 10 on the pop charts in March 1961. It was, in fact, his first hit since leaving the Drifters. The song had been covered numerous times before Aretha recorded it, including by Jay and the Americans, Cliff Richard, Percy Faith, The Mamas and the Papas, Chet Atkins, and Andy Williams. I think the recording by Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass is especially good, and I've included that one as well on our accompanying Spotify playlist for this episode of Memory and Top 40 Music. Spanish Harlem has also been a popular cover since Aretha's hit. This has included versions by Leon Russell, Led Zeppelin, if you can believe it, and Neil Diamond. But Franklin's version of Spanish Harlem once again outperformed the original. It spent three weeks at number one on the Soul Singles chart and 11 weeks in the Pop Top 40. Of those 11 weeks, six were in the Top 10, and that included two weeks at number two in September 1971. I just had to look to see who kept Aretha's Spanish Harlem from hitting number one, it was Donny Osmond and Go Away, Little Girl. Both Spanish Harlem and Bridge Over Troubled Water were among the top 100 songs on Billboard's year-end chart for 1971. Bridge Over Troubled Water came in at number 52 for the year, while Spanish Harlem was at number 49. In case you're curious, Simon and Garfunkel had the number one song for all of 1970 with their version of Bridge Over Troubled Water. 
Aretha would hit the top 10 yet one more time in 1971. Rock Steady was an Aretha original, appearing on her Young, Gifted, and Black album. The song was in the top 40 for eight weeks, two of those in the top 10. Both of those weeks were spent at number 9 in late November and early December. Donny Hathaway on electric piano and organ and Dr. John on percussion were among the musicians contributing to Rock Steady. 1972 began with another smash hit. From Young, Gifted, and Black came Daydreaming, written by Aretha, and years later, she confirmed the song was written about Dennis Edwards of The Temptations. Daydreaming spent 11 weeks on the top 40, with five of those weeks in the top 10. The song spent a week at number 5 in May, its peak chart position. Daydreaming was yet another number one hit on the Soul Singles chart. 1972 was an unusual year for Franklin, as she only placed two songs in the top 40 that year. After Daydreaming, she charted with All the King's Horses, a tune which she also wrote. All the King's Horses had a six-week top 40 run, spending two weeks as high as number 26 in July of 72. Daydreaming was the lone song Aretha had on Billboard's year-end chart, coming in at number 61. This is Spoken Joe, and you're listening to Memory in Top 40 Music, where we go back in time together, using the Billboard charts, to tell a few stories about the songs and the artists, and hopefully strike up a memory or two, but also with an eye on what else was going on when these songs were hits. This is the second of our special two-part Aretha Franklin tribute. Aretha wouldn't be back in the top 40 until March 1973, when she charted with Master of Eyes, The Deepness of Your Eyes, another song she wrote. Master of Eyes would appear on a reissue of the album Hey Now Hey, The Other Side of the Sky. The song was not on the original album release. Hey Now Hey, The Other Side of the Sky was originally released in June 1973, and it was Aretha's first Atlantic album to not crack the top 25, halting its progress at number 30 on the album chart. The single, Master of Eyes, spent five weeks in the top 40. It reached its peak at number 33 in March 1973. Then came Angel. Angel was written by Aretha's sister Carolyn Franklin and Sonny Saunders. Aretha co-produced the song along with Quincy Jones. Angel had a healthy 10-week stint in the top 40, with most of those weeks in the 20s. The song peaked at number 20 in the first week of September 1973, and it was yet another number one for Aretha on the Soul Singles chart. Aretha Franklin was back in the top 10 on the pop charts in February 1974 with her next big hit, Until You Come Back to Me, That's What I'm Gonna Do. The song had first been recorded by Stevie Wonder in 1967, but it was not released until his 1977 album, Looking Back. Stevie Wonder was one of the song's co-writers, along with Morris Brodnax and Clarence Paul. It was a million-seller for Franklin, but I had no idea what she was singing in the line, Tap on Your Window Pane. I thought she was saying something about a willow tree. Anyway, Until You Come Back to Me spent 17 weeks in the top 40, Six of those weeks were in the top ten, and Until You Come Back to Me peaked at number three in February of 74. And with that number three peak position, Aretha Franklin accomplished something done by no other artist before, and by only four since. She now had a song peak at every chart position in the top ten 
from number 1 to number 10. It's a special little countdown and will tell you the chart position, the song, and the month and the year it peaked at that particular chart position. Here's how she did it. I Say a Little Prayer peaked at number 10 in October 1968. At number 9, I Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You in April 1967 and Rock Steady in November 1972. At number 8, A Natural Woman peaked in November 1967. Think peaked at number 7 in June 1968. The House That Jack Built in September 1968 and Bridge Over Troubled Water in June 1971 each peaked at number 6. Sweet Sweet Baby Since You've Been Gone in March 1968 and Daydreaming in May 1972 both peaked at number 5. Baby I Love You peaked at number 4 in September 1967. Until You Come Back to Me peaked at number 3 in February 1974. Chain of Fools in January 1968 and Spanish Harlem in September 1971 each peaked at number 2. And Respect peaked at number 1 in June 1967. The artists who have accomplished this since Aretha did it, Marvin Gaye, Madonna, Drake, and Taylor Swift. Until You Come Back to Me came in as the 11th most popular song of the year in Billboard's year-end chart for 1974. It was also a number one hit on the Soul Singles chart. The song appeared on Aretha's album Let Me In Your Life, the title track written by Bill Withers. After Until You Come Back to Me, it would be 11 years before Aretha appeared again in the top 10. I'm Joe Williams, and you're listening to Memory in Top 40 Music, and we're celebrating the top 40 career of the late Aretha Franklin. It's time for our Memory Jogger feature, and in this installment of Memory Jogger, we'll remember a few key music figures who recently passed, in addition, of course, to Aretha Franklin, who is the feature of this episode of Memory and Top 40 Music. Marty Ballin died on September 27, 2018. Ballin founded the San Francisco-based rock band Jefferson Airplane in 1965. With Ballin, Paul Kantner, and Grace Slick on vocals, the Jefferson Airplane scored two top ten hits in 1967. Somebody to Love was in the top 40 for nine weeks, including four in the top ten in June of 1967. That was followed by White Rabbit, which also had a nine-week top 40 run, spending two weeks in the top ten, both at number eight, in the summer of 1967. The Jefferson Airplane lineup was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996, and was a recipient of the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 2016. After Jefferson Airplane personnel split up, Jefferson Starship was formed in 1974, sans Ballin, who then came aboard in 1975. By the time Ballin left Jefferson Starship in 1978, the band had four top 40 records including 1975's Miracles, which reached number 3, 1976's With Your Love, which was a number 12 hit, and then in 1978, the number 8 hit Count On Me and Runaway, which reached number 12. Ballin sang lead on each of those records. Ballin was not involved in the next incarnation of the band, simply called Starship, which did have three number one hits in the mid-1980s, We Built This City, Sarah, and Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now. But as a solo artist in the early 80s, Ballin had two top 40 hits. Atlanta Lady, Something About Your Love, reached number 27 in October 1981, but his big solo hit was Hearts, a number 8 hit in August of 81. Ballin was 76 years old. 
She never sang on a top 40 song. She never wrote one either. But Peggy Sue Guerin, who died on October 1st, 2018, will always have a special place in rock music history. For Peggy Sue Guerin was the Peggy Sue, after whom Buddy Holly's big hit, Peggy Sue, was named. The song was originally entitled Cindy Lou, after Holly's niece. But Jerry Allison, drummer for Holly's band, The Crickets, convinced Holly to change the title and name it after his girlfriend, Peggy Sue Guerin. And so it goes. It worked, too, because Holly had a monster hit with the record, and Peggy Sue and Jerry Allison got married. Peggy Sue had a 16-week top 40 run, which included nine weeks in the top 10. The song peaked for three weeks at number three. What's interesting about that is the songs three weeks at number three each occurred in different months. It was number three the weeks of December 30th, 1957, January 27th, 1958, and February 3rd, 1958. I wonder if any other song can make such a claim. Peggy Sue is ranked by Rolling Stone magazine as number 194 of its 500 greatest songs of all time. National Public Radio in 1999 included Peggy Sue on its 100 most important American musical works of the 20th century. The song is in the Grammy Hall of Fame and was on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's list of the songs that shaped rock and roll. Peggy Sue was 78 when she died. Sound engineer Jeff Emmerich died on October 2, 2018, at 72 years of age. Emmerich engineered the Beatles' Revolver, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, and Abbey Road albums. Prior to that, Emmerich was an assistant engineer on songs such as She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand. Emmerich also worked with Judy Garland, Manfred Mann, The Hollies, The Zombies, Elvis Costello, Badfinger, Art Garfunkel, America, and on several Paul McCartney albums, including Band on the Run. Emmerich won four Grammy Awards. Bernadette Carroll died on October 5th, 2018. She was 74. Carroll was a member of the girl group The Angels, which had the number one hit, My Boyfriend's Back. The Angels had four top 40 hits in the early 60s, Till, Cry Baby Cry, I Adore Him, and My Boyfriend's Back. They are best known for the latter, which had a 12-week top 40 run, and three of those weeks were spent atop the charts in August and September of 1963. Melvin Reagan, better known as Melvin Wah Wah Watson, died on October 24, 2018. Watson was a member of the Funk Brothers, the famed Motown studio band, from 1968 to 1972. It is Watson's guitar work you hear on The Temptations' 1972 number one hit, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. In later years, he wrote songs for the Pointer Sisters and played on albums for Marvin Gaye, Herbie Hancock, Gloria Gaynor, The Beach Boys, Michael Jackson, Blondie, George Benson, Stevie Wonder, Janet Jackson, and Alicia Keys. Wawa Watson was 67. Also on October 24, 2018, Tony Joe White died. White was best known for writing the hit songs Polk Salad Annie and Rainy Night in Georgia. White recorded and had a hit himself with Polk Salad Annie, taking it to number 8 in August 1969. That was his only top 40 hit as a performer. Brooke Benton made a classic recording of Rainy Night in Georgia, which reached number 4 for two weeks in March 1970. In the 1970s, White toured with Steppenwolf, Anne Murray, Sly and the Family Stone, and CCR. 
White wrote the 1990 Top 40 hit by Tina Turner, Steamy Windows. On October 15, 2014, Tony Joe White appeared on The Late Show with David Letterman and performed Polk Salad Annie with the Foo Fighters. Tony Joe White was 75. Freddie Hart died on October 27, 2018, at the age of 91. Hart was one of the most successful country singer-songwriters. Over his long career, he charted songs from 1959 to 1987, Hart became best known for the smash hit Easy Loving, which was the Country Music Association Song of the Year in 1971 and 1972. That was the first time the same record won that award more than once. The only other time that has happened since was in 1980 and 1981, when George Jones won in both years for He Stopped Loving Her Today. Freddie Hart, an Alabama native, was one of 11 children. He lied about his age to join the Marine Corps and saw combat on Guam and Iwo Jima. In the mid-50s, country artists began covering his songs. Among those who recorded Hart's songs were Patsy Cline and George Jones. As a performer, Hart scored 37 top 40 hits on the country charts. 14 of those songs went top 10, and they included six number one hits. The very biggest of those was the aforementioned Easy Loving. That song was also Hart's only hit on the Billboard Hot 100. It spent 12 weeks in the top 40 in late 1971, peaking for two weeks at number 17. Unfortunately, Freddie Hart's version of Easy Loving doesn't appear to be available on Spotify. However, in its place on our companion playlist, we've included two other versions of Easy Loving. One, also a country version, by Conway Twitty and Loretta Lynn. The other, a nice soul version, by Bo Kirkland and Ruth Davis. Freddie Hart is a member of the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. Dave Rowland, the lead singer in the country trio Dave and Sugar, died on November 1st, 2018. Though Dave and Sugar had 16 country top 40 hits, 11 of which went top 10, and three of those hit number one, the group never hit the Billboard Hot 100. So why do we include Dave Rowland in Memory Jogger? Well, if you remember in episode 10, our July 4th, 1976 episode, in our In the News segment, we mentioned that Dave and Sugar had the number one country hit on the 4th of July, 1976. The door is always open. Therefore, we wanted to acknowledge the death of Dave Rowland at the age of 74. Glenn Schwartz died on November 2nd, 2018. Schwartz was the original guitarist for the James Gang, but he left the group before they charted. He joined Pacific Gas and Electric, who then had a top 20 hit with Are You Ready? Are You Ready spent nine weeks in the top 40, getting up to number 14 in August 1970. Schwartz was 78. Francis Lay, a French composer best known for film scores, died November 7, 2018. He was 86. He helped write the score for the movie A Man and a Woman, for which he received a Golden Globe nomination for Best Original Score in 1966. In 1970, Lay won the Academy Award for Best Music and Original Score for the film Love Story, for which he also took home a Golden Globe for Best Original Score. The film's soundtrack went to number two on the album chart. He co-wrote its theme song, Where Do I Begin?, with lyricist Carl Sigmund, a song that hit the charts three times in 1971. Francis Lay and his orchestra took it up to number 31. 
Henry Mancini and his orchestra had a number 13 hit with it, and topping them all, it was a number 9 hit for Andy Williams in the spring of 1971. Over his career, Lay composed scores for more than 100 movies. The great country performer Roy Clark died on November 15, 2018, at 85 years of age. Roy Clark was in households across the U.S. every week as the co-host of the popular TV show Hee Haw for more than 20 years. Clark also occasionally served as guest host of The Tonight Show when Johnny Carson was off. Among his other television appearances, I can picture Clark on the Beverly Hillbillies as well as an episode of The Odd Couple. And he helped put Branson, Missouri on the map when he became the first big country star to open up a music theater in that now big vacation destination. Roy Clark charted six songs on the Hot 100, and one of those made it into the top 40. That was his signature hit, Yesterday When I Was Young, which had a six-week top 40 run in the summer of 1969. Yesterday When I Was Young peaked at number 19. Of the 50 songs Clark placed on the country charts, two dozen of those hit the country top 40, and he took nine of those into the top 10. Yesterday, When I Was Young, was a number nine hit on the country charts. His biggest hit was 1973's Come Live With Me, which hit number one. Among the instruments Clark played were the guitar, banjo, fiddle, mandolin, and harmonica. He was a true entertainer. Clark performed Yesterday When I Was Young at the funeral of Yankee great Mickey Mantle in 1995. Roy Clark was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2009. Marty, Jeff, Bernadette, Melvin, Tony Joe, Freddie, Dave, Glenn, Francis, Roy, and yes, you too, Peggy Sue, thanks for the music and the memories. Now back to our Aretha Franklin special. I'm in Love was the next single for Aretha. The song was written by Bobby Womack and also came from the album Let Me In Your Life. Womack wrote the song after being criticized for marrying the widow of the recently deceased Sam Cooke. Wilson Pickett had a top 10 R&B hit with it in 1968. Aretha's version hit number one on the Soul Singles chart and spent eight weeks in the top 40. I'm In Love peaked at number 19 for two weeks in early June 1974. Franklin's next two single releases did not crack the top 40, Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing, or Without Love. Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing was written by Ashford and Simpson and previously was a big hit for Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. Without Love was the first single from Franklin's album With Everything I Feel in Me. With Everything I Feel in Me did not perform as well as her previous album releases, topping out at number 47 on Billboard's album chart. It also didn't produce any top 40 singles. Neither did the follow-up album, You. Aretha's next visit to the top 40 came in 1976 with the song, Something He Can Feel. Something He Can Feel came from Aretha's album, Sparkle, which was the soundtrack album of the 1976 movie of the same name, starring Irene Cara. Something He Can Feel was written by Curtis Mayfield and lasted six weeks in the 40, peaking in August 1976 at number 28. The song was yet another number one for Aretha on the Soul Singles chart. Aretha's next three albums, Sweet Passion, Almighty Fire, and Diva, all sold well below expectations. They reached the peak positions of 85, 
83, and 146, respectively. They also signaled the end of Franklin's 12-year career with Atlantic Records. She moved to Arista Records and a more pop star Aretha began to emerge. It wasn't until her third Arista album, Jump To It, that Aretha found her way back into the top 40 on the pop charts. This was with the title track, Jump To It. The album went gold, and the single was written by Luther Vandross and Marcus Miller. Jump To It had a six-week turn in the top 40, with its peak coming for two weeks at number 24 in October 1982. Jump To It became Aretha's first number one on the newly renamed Black Singles Chart. This chart had been known as the R&B Chart until 1969, when it was changed to Soul Singles Chart, and now renamed again Black Singles Chart. And then came 1985, when Aretha struck a match and lit the charts on fire once again. In July of 85, Aretha released her 30th solo album, Who's Zoomin' Who?, and it became her best-selling album since 1972's Young, Gifted, and Black. In fact, Who's Zoomin' Who? became Franklin's only platinum album, a certification that comes with album sales of at least one million. Rolling Stone ranked Who's Zoomin' Who? as the 85th best album from the decade of the 1980s. The first single from Who's Zoomin' Who? was Freeway of Love. Freeway of Love spent a week all the way up at number 3 in late August 1985, and it spent 13 weeks in the top 40, six of those in the top 10. It also gave Aretha the 43rd most popular song of the year on Billboard's year-end chart for 1985. This was the first time she appeared on a year-end top 100 on the pop charts since Until You Come Back to Me, 11 years earlier in 1974. Musicians on Freeway of Love included guitarist Randy Jackson, later of American Idol, and the big man, Clarence Clemens, on saxophone, courtesy of the E Street Band. You may remember the song's music video, in which Clarence and his sax were also prominently featured. Freeway of Love hit number one on the Dance Club and Black Singles charts. Next up was the album's title track, Who's Zoomin' Who, which also topped the Dance Club charts and it was the second straight top 10 hit on the pop charts for Aretha. Who's Zoomin' Who also had a 13-week top 40 stay, spending three weeks in the top 10, getting as high as number 7 at the end of November. Who's Zoomin' Who came in at number 94 on the Billboard year-end chart. The album Who's Zoomin' Who produced two other top 40 singles, Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves and Another Night. Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves reached number 18 for a week in December 1985 as part of its eight weeks in the top 40. The song was written by Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart, who were the Eurythmics. The song was in fact a duet by Franklin and the Eurythmics and appeared on albums from both acts. The Eurythmics reportedly originally intended to perform the song with Tina Turner, who was also experiencing a recording renaissance at the time, but Turner was not available. Three members of Tom Petty's Heartbreakers performed on the song, Stan Lynch, Ben Montench, and Mike Campbell. The final top 40 song from Who's Zoomin' Who was Another Night. Another Night lasted seven weeks in the top 40, getting up to number 22 in March of 1986. In 1986, for the third time, Aretha released an album entitled Aretha. The album's cover was a portrait of Aretha, created by the famous artist Andy Warhol. It was one of his last works prior to his death in February 1987. The first single off Aretha was Jumpin' Jack Flash, a remake of the Rolling Stones' huge hit. 
Keith Richards and Ronnie Wood of the Stones played on the recording, which was used for the Whoopi Goldberg film of the same name. Jumpin' Jack Flash spent six weeks in the top 40 and got up to number 21 in November of 86. Then came the song Jimmy Lee. The song spent 13 weeks in the Hot 100, three of those in the top 40. Its high watermark was at number 28 in February 1987. Playing synthesizer on Jimmy Lee was David Sanchez, an early member of the E Street Band who played on the first three studio albums by Bruce Springsteen. Next out was I Knew You Were Waiting For Me, a duet with George Michael. And it was a worldwide smash. It was a song that reached the number one position on the U.S. pop charts, as well as in Australia, Belgium, Ireland, the Netherlands, and the U.K., in addition to hitting the top spot on the European Hot 100 singles chart. I Knew You Were Waiting For Me had a 12-week top 40 run, which included eight weeks in the top 10, counted among those were two weeks at number one in April 1987. According to Billboard, I Knew You Were Waiting For Me was Aretha's all-time biggest hit single on the pop charts. It was also her best performing song on the adult contemporary charts. Amazingly, it was also the only song by Aretha that ever hit number one in the UK. And here's an interesting tidbit. The song was produced by Narada Michael Walden. He was working a lot with Aretha in the 80s as a songwriter, drummer, and producer. Walden produced but didn't write this particular song, but when it went to number one, it knocked another song he produced out of the number one slot. That was Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now by Starship. I Knew You Were Waiting For Me was the 36th most popular song of the entire year and marked the final time Aretha Franklin had a top 10 hit on the Billboard pop charts. Aretha proceeded to collaborate with other well-known artists. It didn't chart on the Hot 100, but the song If Ever a Love There Was became a number 26 adult contemporary hit. Aretha sang this one with the Four Tops in 1988. Her next Top 40 appearance came in 1989 when she teamed up with Elton John on Through the Storm. Albert Hammond and Diane Warren wrote it, and Through the Storm got as high as number 16 in May 1989, during the midst of its seven weeks in the Top 40. Aretha just missed the Top 40 that same year on a duet with Whitney Houston, entitled It Isn't, It Wasn't, It Ain't Never Gonna Be. The song, also written by the Hammond-Warren team, missed the 40 by just one notch as it got to number 41. Each of these duets was part of the Through the Storm album released in April 1989. Also included was a duet with James Brown. In addition to the memories these great Aretha Franklin songs bring back, let's see what was going on in the world in May 1987, when Aretha made her very last appearance in the Top 10. Ronald Reagan was President of the United States. The Iran-Contra hearings began in the U.S. Congress. Senator Gary Hart dropped out of the race for the Democratic presidential nomination due to his affair with Donna Rice. The USS Stark was hit by an Iraqi missile. 37 sailors were killed. Matthias Rust, an 18-year-old West German pilot, made an unauthorized landing near Red Square in Moscow. The U.S. Civil War ship, the Monitor, was discovered by a deep-sea robot. The first heart-lung transplant took place in Baltimore. Actress Shelley Long, as Diane Chambers, appeared in her final episode of the TV comedy Cheers. The Late Show with Joan Rivers ended after she was fired by the Fox Network. 
Director John Landis was found not guilty of involuntary manslaughter in the death of actor Vic Morrow and two child actors on the set of the movie Twilight Zone. Michael Jackson attempted to buy the remains of the Elephant Man. Ali Sheba won the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness. Race driver Mario Andretti set a one-lap speed record at Indianapolis. Robin Ventura set a college baseball record by hitting in 57 consecutive games. The Edmonton Oilers won the Stanley Cup championship, defeating the Philadelphia Flyers in seven games. Famous births in May 1987 included tennis stars Andy Murray and Novak Djokovic. Famous deaths in May 1987 included CIA director William Casey, actresses Rita Hayworth and Hermione Gingold, and yes, I'm going there, Pam Ewing, a character on the TV program Dallas played by Victoria Principal. And the top 10 songs for the week of May 9th, 1987, the very last week Aretha would appear in the top 10, were, at number 10, Aretha Franklin and George Michael, with their former number one worldwide hit, I Knew You Were Waiting For Me. Number 9 was Big Love by Fleetwood Mac. Chris DeBerg was at number 8 with The Lady in Red. Brian Adams and Heat of the Night was at number 7. Prince had the number six song with Sign of the Times. Don't Dream It's Over by Crowded House was the number five song. Madonna was at number four with La Isla Bonita. U2 had the number three song with or without you. At number two, Jody Watley and Looking for a New Love. And the number one song, the week of May 9th, 1987, Aretha Franklin's last week in the top ten was... I Just Died in Your Arms by Cutting Crew. Now back to our special Aretha Franklin Memory and Top 40 Music episode. You've got to jump ahead to 1994 to find Aretha's next Top 40 appearance. She did it with the song Willing to Forgive off her album Greatest Hits 1980-1994. Willing to Forgive spent 20 weeks in the Hot 100, eight of those in the Top 40. The song, written by Babyface and Daryl Simmons, peaked at number 26 in July 1994. It took four years for Aretha to place a song on the Hot 100 again, and this one also made it to the top 40. It was the Lauren Hill-written tune, A Rose is Still a Rose. Not unlike Willing to Forgive, A Rose is Still a Rose had a lengthy run on the Hot 100, 18 weeks, though its top 40 run was a bit limited in comparison, lasting nine weeks with the number 26 position being its high point in May 1998. But the song did place on the year-end chart, turning up as the number 95 song for the year. It was also the very last time an Aretha Franklin song made the top 40. Aretha's last week in the top 40 was May 16, 1998. Her very first week in the top 40... That was November 20th, 1961, when Rockabye Your Baby with a Dixie Melody made its debut. How's that for a nearly 37-year span? And just because her songs weren't on the charts didn't mean Aretha escaped from our presence. For example, in 1998, the year of her final Top 40 hit, Luciano Pavarotti was to perform on the Grammy Awards, but ended up canceling due to illness after the show had already begun. Aretha stepped into his performance slot not to do one of her own numbers, but to perform the song closely associated with Pavarotti, the aria Nessun Dorma. Franklin and Pavarotti sang the song together two nights earlier at the Music Cares event. 
It was a remarkable performance, and you can be sure we've got that one on our accompanying Spotify playlist to this Aretha Franklin episode. The last time Franklin performed Nessun Dorma in public was for Pope Francis in Philadelphia in 2015. I want to add here that I saw Billy Joel in concert at Madison Square Garden recently, and during the show, a member of Billy's band, Mike Del Judas, formerly of the Billy Joel tribute band Big Shot, sang a knockout performance of Nessun Dorma. If they had a version available on Spotify, I surely would have included it on our companion playlist for this episode. But you can find Del Judas singing it, accompanied on the piano by Billy Joel, on YouTube, and I strongly recommend it. Aretha performed at the 1993 Clinton presidential inauguration and the 2009 Obama inauguration. In 2015, at the Kennedy Center Honors, Franklin sang You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman in tribute to one of that year's honorees, songwriter Carol King. In February 2016, at Super Bowl 50, played in Detroit, Aretha and Aaron Neville performed the national anthem with Dr. John on piano, along with a 150-member choir. Aretha was back at Ford Field on Thanksgiving Day 2016, when she again sang the national anthem, this time while seated at her piano, for a performance that lasted for more than four minutes. Her last new album was 2014's Aretha Franklin Sings the Great Diva Classics. On this, her 38th studio album, Aretha covered 10 songs made famous by other female singers. It included songs previously recorded by Etta James, At Last, Gladys Knight, Midnight Train to Georgia, as well as Gloria Gaynor, Barbara Streisand, Alicia Keys, Shaka Khan, Dinah Washington, The Supremes, and Sinead O'Connor. It hit number 13 on the Billboard 200 album chart and number 3 on the Top R&B Hip Hop Albums chart. And Aretha's cover of Adele's Rolling in the Deep went to number 1 on the Dance Club Songs chart and it made her the first female artist and only the fourth overall to have 100 songs on the R&B singles chart. Then in November 2017, what would be her final album, A Brand New Me, was released. This one was a compilation album of sorts, which combined her old vocal recordings from her Atlantic Records days with new orchestral arrangements by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. It went to number two on the U.S. Top Classical Albums chart. By the way, we've included Aretha's nearly 11-minute masterpiece, Amazing Grace, from her historic 1972 gospel album of the same name, on our Spotify playlist, for this Memory and Top 40 music episode. Upon Aretha Franklin's death, Carol King said, What a life. What a legacy. So much love, respect, and gratitude. While Paul McCartney called her the queen of our souls who inspired us all for many, many years. And at Aretha Franklin's funeral, Smokey Robinson said, The world is celebrating you, and the world is mourning you, and the world is going to miss you. More than 75 million records sold, and an 18-time Grammy Award winner. On the Billboard Hot 100, 73 times, with 43 of those records making the top 40, 17 of those going top 10, and two number ones. 19 number one hits on the R&B, Soul Singles, Black Singles charts, as that particular chart was renamed twice during Aretha's lengthy career. 10 number one albums on the R&B album chart out of 36 that went top 10. 
Aretha has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. The city of Detroit renamed part of Madison Street Aretha Franklin Way. And Franklin has been the recipient of honorary degrees or doctorates from a dozen universities. In 1987, she was the first female performer inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and is a member of the Michigan Rock and Roll Legends Hall of Fame, the Rhythm and Blues Hall of Fame, the Gospel Music Association Gospel Music Hall of Fame, and the Memphis Music Hall of Fame. Aretha received the Grammy Legend Award in 1991 and the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 1994, the same year she was a Kennedy Center honoree. She was a recipient of the National Medal of Arts in 1999 and the Presidential Medal of Freedom from George W. Bush in 2005. And in 2008, she was the Music Cares Person of the Year, the same year Rolling Stone ranked Aretha Franklin as the number one greatest singer of all time. I hope you enjoyed our special Memory and Top 40 Music episode dedicated to the memory and Top 40 chart history of the late Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. If you're a new listener to Memory and Top 40 Music and are wondering why you didn't hear any Aretha Franklin songs during the show, it's because of copyright laws and licensing which keeps music off podcasts. But we do have our companion Spotify playlist. All you need is the free Spotify account. Once on Spotify, search for Memory in Top 40 so you can enjoy our Aretha Franklin companion playlists. What did you hear in this episode that brought back a memory? Please share it. Send a note to memory at spokenjoe.com. Episodes of Memory in Top 40 Music are available on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Give us a rating and some feedback, and please subscribe. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as well. Thanks for listening to Memory in Top 40 Music. I'm Spoken Joe.